I had some GERD earlier this week, some gastrointestinal stuff, just because my intestines are a horror show. And yeah, so I was like coughing, coughing, coughing all day because apparently an upset stomach can make you cough because the body is horrifying. Yeah, there's just all kinds of weird parts of the body. Like during the first aid class, one of the things was that like signs of the body where pain is, they're not useful information because like pain in your arm is like entirely different parts of the body. <sighs> God damn it, medical science. I mean, should we just go essential oils, Harry? There's comfort in essential oils. And, like, refusing vaccines. Uh, no. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm not going to run with you on that. <laughs> I know that's not great improv, but, you know, nope. Uh, you know butted, Harry. You know butted. I did, I did but. I just knowed. <laughs> no and seed. Welcome to Brokusatsu, Two Brothers' exploration of tokusatsu shows and associated media. My name is Harry. And I'm Sam. And I would like to apologize to uh, Harry and our assorted local friends because there's a Twilight Imperium tournament in about a month here. And God knows we're all going to sign up and God knows it's going to be a shit show. You know, Twilight Imperium has been like a surprisingly coherent through line of our Kamen Rider Gaim coverage. Just in terms <laughs> of like... Being complicated messes of wars that, like, don't end fulfillingly for anybody. I know, I know, I know. And now there's a tournament that you have to pay to get into with a cash prize at the end full of randos who are going to have to deal with us, Harry. You know, maybe this is mean, like, because I'm a guy who likes board games, but most, like, pickup games of board games I've had with people outside of friend groups, I haven't been the weird one, so... <laughs> And that's saying something. It It is saying something. It is saying something. And Harry, Harry, at th this is a competitive tournament. Like, you would not be the weird... You would be the normal one at this event, Harry. You know, I think I'll do it just for that, uh... Just, just for the novelty of that. <laughs> that's all the better, Harry. Like, the more people from our friend group that show up, the more that it is absolutely guaranteed that there will be multiple friends... At the table, which guarantees that some of us will get to the final round. That's very interesting for you to assume that any of us would would uh, throw games for any of the other of us. I think if we show up at the same table, that just makes it more likely that we'll drag each other down. Uh, no, Harry, like, I am the best Twilight friend. I am the best. <laughs> no, you're not. I so am, Harry. I'll just say this. We'll do, we got, because we got Kamen Rider Zero One coverage to do. But remember, at the beginning of the show, you looked at Michi and said, that's me, I'm Michi. <laughs> I got you to, like, to confirm that, like, at another point. No, you... I gave you multiple chances to back out. You did, you did. And, you know, maybe it's just because Gaim is full of awful characters. Or, like, the, the interesting ones are kind of one note, and they don't really delve into them. So, like, the only, that they act, the only ones they actually give me two are, like, two really shitty ones... And one who I am nowhere near close enough to compare myself to. 
So we're starting with another show, and uh, so I it was almost like eating my vegetables first because I did my rewatch of Gaim first, but so I I just finished watching Kamen Rider Zero One episode twenty four, and it's a good show, Sam. It is. It is this. I mean, spoiler alert, this might be my favorite episode of the season so far. It's really good. There's so much payoff. We've had a bit of a slog, but Harry, holy shit, this is payoff, and it's earned payoff. And that's the important part. So as it starts, it's continuing from what seemed like it was going to be a low-stakes, silly episode, where Aruto, he transformed into Metal Cluster Hopper, and he is just full-on berserk attacking Jack, and, you know, it's it's not the worst thing if he kills him, because it's Jack. Yeah, uh, Aruto, he's just taking out his frustrations on Jack. Uh, Jack, he's trying to hold his own, but nothing that he's throwing is really landing, though he seems to think that he's winning. Uh, well, eventually, he, he manages to kind of dash in and do one final jacking break. <laughs> And steals the he he's this time it's a mammoth that he jacks because uh, he gets great. he gets a breaking mammoth power and he does a thing where he fires all of the hollow creatures at Arto and actually manages to break uh, Metal Cluster Hopper out of his transformation. Uh, there was a point where uh, before the priest Tubagir, he called on Aruto to distract him and uh, ran up and he kind of got hit by a little bit of red lightning. Yeah, it, he's not a priest, remember? We, oh, we, right, right. We, he is he is the actor Hubagir who is still dressed up as a priest from the previous episode. I still like to believe that there is a mechanical priest that the church has allowed because he is both he is both the most perfect uh, person to devote himself to God because he is not distracted by, like, any of the sins of man, but at the same time he also has no soul, so the church is very divided on the subject. Sorry I couldn't find a good screenshot of whatever you're talking about to use as the episode image, Sam. God damn it, Harry. God damn it. <laughs> well, it was so important to you that you only found out now, so let's... Anyway, yeah, so Aruto, he gets knocked out of the transformation, he falls to the ground. Guy, he says, hey, may I offer a prediction? The human gears will prove to be your downfall. Uh, as uh, Jack is walking away, uh, the priest runs up to him. Uh, Jack is about to destroy him, but then the priest says, hey, I've been touched by the will of the Ark. Jack smirks and says, come with me. Yeah, his eyes do the his eyes do the red glow. It's very like red blue binary, very Star Warsy with the good and the bad side. He does the renegade trigger. This episode turns out they're bringing back all the human gears. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Aruto he wakes up in the hospital, and he's being tended to by the various human gear uh, medical professionals from several episodes ago, and he is informed that he has been unconscious in a coma for three days. The metal cluster key has inflicted a lot of damage on you. You gotta rest. And Aruto, he tries to fight this because he says, "Hey, I, I can't rest. There's no telling when another human gear will go out of control." And Izu is kind of sad <laughs> hearing this. That makes Izu very sad when she says that. And Aruto, he thinks back to what he says and he apologizes. I should believe in human gears more than anyone. And like Aruto, you're great. You should. You're very human. Like, it's it's human to doubt, but he's, like, he's trying so hard to be good. Yeah, and it's just pattern recognition at this point. Like, he's doing his best, and pretty much every time it's not their fault, but it has been happening a lot. Speaking of going berserk, Match, the matchmaker human gear from the previous episode, walks in and says, Hey, uh, I'm glad you're feeling better. Um, So, just so you know, when I went berserk, that was on purpose, because it... it uh, Sam and Harry weren't just making up. I was actually creating a whole situation just to get together those two crazy kids. 
Heck yeah, theory confirmed, bitches. I mean, it wasn't as big of a reach as the, the uh, Rico the, the zoo situation. Mm-hmm. But he says, I, I was just creating an emotionally intense situation. I think they're taking the best steps towards a better life. And yeah, cut to the the girlfriend from the previous episode and the guy, like, the uh, he proposes to her. Yes, it's a lovely scene on the beach, and as soon as they are proposed, Match pops up from the ground like he throws off his camo cloak and he screams, Best Match! into the sky! He, he like, buried himself in the sand just to, just to wait for the best moment. Oh, like, I, I love that. This guy's the best. As he's going on, he said, like, he only intended to kind of fake go berserk. Uh, but then when he fully went berserk, like, the Ark's will was stronger than anticipated, and so it did kind of take him over. So it was a bit of, like, he was he was acting berserk, but then he was really berserk. Yeah, he worked himself into a shoot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Izu, she grabs the metal cluster key and says, hey, leave this to me, and please believe in the human gears. And so she goes, and she connects to Satellite Zia, and sends a message to every human gear that we have seen on the show. Uh, Izu calling all human gears. It is time to commence the plan. What the fuck? Like, there are shots of human gears just like, everyone just like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, Izu, we work for Izu. It is time to implement the plan. Yeah, that's the first sign that something big is about to happen this episode. Hirobi, uh, he's still all Hannibal Lecter. He's tied up uh, in the basement of Abe's and saying, Yep, I and Metsubo Jinrai act with the will of the Ark, and soon all human gears will follow our will. Fu is annoyed at this. He says that humans have free will. He follows his own free will. Uh, to which Robi responds, are you so sure that you have free will? And Fu, uh, reasonably, like re- like a person who's totally in control of himself, jumps up, kicks him down, and says, shut up, I know who I am. I- I'm definitely in-, in control. I'm not going crazy. No, I'm not crazy. You're crazy. I'm not losing my mind. I don't have missing time. Back at Jack's office that we know is like a weird holodeck or something. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, like the, the actor bot uh, who is no longer a priest, R.I.P. Priest Steve McGear. Uh, he says that humans are filled with malice and must be eliminated. I will obey President Amatsu. So the actor bot, he's going to hack Haydn Enterprises from within. And, and he likes this plan and tells him to go do it mm-hmm. and just leaves him to his own devices. So we jump to uh, Astrobot. Uh, is it Subaru? Yeah, Subaru. I only remember that because that's my car. Uh, Subaru and uh, the Carpenter Bot, they are raiding the Metsubotian Rai base. They're just in the broken down area. They find a wall that they need to get through and Boss just drills through. <laughs> and they access the Ark like they're... They are in your base, like, killing your dudes. They're downloading information. Shit's getting real. What they're doing is, uh, because I looked at the text displayed on the screen, they're extracting data. Yeah, they were extracting the the metal hopper data, and they were sending it directly to Izu. Like, I I mean, it's just fun to notice. I'm sure I could conjugate Japanese tenses well either, but it's it's funny when they obviously get another language wrong. (laughs) So it turns out, like, uh, they give this to Izu, and Izu, she is collecting all the goodwill of all the Humagears that Aruto has connected with and saved over the past 23 episodes. The Ark has programmed the Metal Cluster Key with a library of data on evil. We need examples of goodness to overwrite the evil. President Aruto has always supported Humagears. Now it is our turn to help him. 
And so we just cut back and forth. Like we have quick headshots of like every single human gear, uh, from the past, from the past away three episodes that he has interacted with. They say, I believe in the president. And they pull out their own human gear keys and they're scanning their QR codes and sending it to Izu. Uh, they they get brought by a delivery bot who I'm pretty sure is the delivery human gear from episode two who got turned into a bat. Izu takes it. She slots in uh, the keys into the printer and she's printing a new weapon. Like the so the shots of all the human gears just saying, I believe in the president. I believe in the president. It was like the Rise of Skywalker, but actually emotionally resonant. All right. That's your one for this episode. <laughs> Keeping the rule. Yep. So at this point, Jack hears from uh, Yua uh, that the Metsubo base was compromised. And, oh shit, the actor was a double agent. So Jack tracks him down and he says he's going to fucking destroy him by transforming him into a beetle and then throwing him around. I will point out that, like, he didn't really need to do that. He could have just, you know, murdered him as a human gear. Here's the thing where I could read deeply of the fact that he doesn't want to kill him while, while he looks like a human. But also this is a kid's TV show, so they can only do, they can only kill visibly human dudes so often on the show. So, I mean, it's, I mean, we'll see if this is a development that it's played out further later on. Yeah, it might also just be his kink. Like, you know, he's perfectly happy to murder human gears, uh, but only after they've transformed into monsters. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very specific finish you can only fulfill when you're a billionaire CEO. Oh man, we do not want to think about billionaire kinks. They get dark. They get so dark, Harry. Oh, yeah. Arto, he's in his hospital room, and the doctor rolls up and says, Hey, Angie's uh, he has gone berserk. He infiltrated Zaya, but he was discovered. Please, head out. Everything should be ready soon. Yeah, so Arto, he's still pretty fucked up, uh, but he stumbles out because there's a mission to do. He uh, gets there. Izu is behind him, and she says, uh, President, please transform and believe in us human gears. And he does. He slaps on the metal cluster he, it, he transforms like before, and he's clearly not in control. But then Izu jumps, does a full-on flip in the air, again showing that she's way stronger than a normal human, and if they ever give her a belt, she's going to be crazy. I I think it's late enough in the show that that's probably not going to happen, but we'll, we'll see. We still got half the show left. Yeah, and she hands him the weapon. It's a, it's a sword. Yep, the progress hopper blade. And it zaps Arto. And he is pulled out of the Ark in his, you know, brain palace and put into Satellite's ear. So the sword, uh, this is a quote from Izu. The sword was made of the goodwill of the human gears who believe in you. And it's so great. Like, he, he loves it. And you know what? He also uses it to destroy Jack. Or rather, he throws a finisher at Jack. Uh, Jack pulls the transformed human gear in front of him. And it detransforms the human gear from the monster form it purifies him of the arc's rage now arto has the ability to cure berserk human gears and he won't have to delete them by before like before it's great and it's you know it's 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 not subtle but it is a direct thing of him working really hard for this one goal he him believing in this group the human gears and them coming together and unifying their will to help him and also to just fuck up jack because, boy, does does he wreck Jack in this. Like, before, Aruto was just kind of stumbling around with the metal cluster he had using his powers. But now he's full-on, like, landing finishers, and Jack doesn't really touch him. Yeah, he is very much in control of this fight, like, at every point. And, like, Jack, not just uh, being physically destroyed, his plans are out the window 
for being a chess master, he's fucking bad at it. He's screaming, what did you do? To which, and I love this line, Arto responds, you don't get it, do you? Because I don't either, but I couldn't have done it on my own. Yeah, it's it's a great line. And it is so in character. So he, he knocks him down. Jack is, I, I think the only time Jack was, I don't think he was even this visibly messed up when he lost the first time to the ball cluster he metal cluster key but yeah he's down his clothes are all torn he before he'd had this pure white outfit and now he's just messed up on the ground with that very generic you know bruised face makeup that they use every time it's the it's a little drop of blood at the corner of their mouth that always gets me like oh i was wounded on the mouth their faces are purple but they're still very sexy and fuckable uh it, it's like, this is something I noticed in some Marvel movies, like, in, in the first Iron Man movie, when he has his, like, heart ripped out and he's all pale and stuff, they really only did the makeup well on his face, because, like, the rest of his body's still, like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. So, Jack stumbles away, talking about his next confrontation will end in my victory, uh, but no one fucking believes him. Uh, now, as the episode is ending, uh, we are back in the office. Aruto and Izu, they're having a moment. I do want to give a translation note here uh, to the the writer time people on Facebook. So there is a scene where Aruto, very emotionally, like, he accepts something from Izu and he says, Izu, arigato. Now, the translators, they translated that as Izu, thanks a ton. Guys, I know what arigato means. <laughs> he said, Izu, arigato. You don't have to make it say thanks a ton. Look, localization is more art than science a lot of the time. I I know, but like the simplicity, just Izu, thanks. Izu, thanks. That's all they needed. Depending on the translation, do you like one version of the joke? Because then he he got an invitation from the the couple that are immediately getting married. And uh, like he, he makes a joke about it. Like what what do you remember like what it was for your version? In my version, his joke was, he's spinning around, there's no reason not to show up, because he's going to put on a show. Okay, well, uh, the the one I got was pretty similar, it's still also, like, this is one of his weaker puns, I gotta say. Like, if you show me a wedding invitation like that, then I say, showtime, let's party. Uh, yeah, they, they, they laugh, they, they do the pointing thing, and then Katsufua in the basement because, oh shit, Hirobi got loose. There's a serial killer human gear on the, on the, on the lamb. Oh, that's not great. Yeah, I'd say this is pretty much a perfect episode. Like, the only downside is, you know, no Yua. I would, I, people are complaining on threads that Yua is getting underused. And, like, I totally agree. Like, I, I would love to see more. But I've, but I'm also watching some other stuff where, by comparison, like, boy... Boy, like, do we have anything else to talk about Zero One before we just jump onto Gaim? Uh, it was it was a great episode. Zero One, like, it's it's back on track, and I love it. Yeah, it's great. They they had like the Earthbound ending where everyone he'd met sent their goodwill, and it like powers his survival. It, it's great. Uh, it's it, it's a good show. Let's go do the bad show.
Oh, Gaim. Oh. Oh, Gaim. We're covering three episodes of Kamen Rider Gaim this time. 41, 42, and 43. We're doing that because they're in the the tailspin part of the show where they realize, like, oh, shit, we have so much to do. We just need to cram it together. Damn characterization along the way. We know the end and we need to get there. This is the problem with time travel shows, like shows with like prophecies, shows like Game of Thrones, where you kind of know what's going to happen. And like you have to just shoot that shot like a year, maybe multiple years in advance. And shit just doesn't land that way. Look, the time travel part of the show, that's like the least of its problems. Uh, it, but, mm, oh, they, they, it is like, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to the time travel part. As it starts, it's basically by just saying again, yeah. Kota is 100% going to sacrifice himself to save humanity. That's all he does. And Sagara shrugs and says, whatever, I'm, I'm just here to watch. DJ Sagara and the writers writ large don't seem to really understand humanity all that well. Like, they seem to think it's novel that humans would sacrifice themselves for the greater good. Humans do that all the fucking time. It's weird because for a message about hope and believing in people, it's kind of cynical. Yeah. I just think they knew where the end was, but that they got here in a really bad way. Uh, like, speaking of knowing where things are going to end up, so Kaito, he is still beating up Michi as best he can, because, you know, he's messed up, he has one arm, and Michi's Michi, so it's it's about even. Then, uh, warring over the PA, he says to the beat writers, hey, uh, everyone should go run to Helheim and die at the hands of the final boss. Uh, I'm, I'm busy here, okay? Yep. I've discovered uh, Mai. She's been taken by their overlord king. Go go deal with that. And what he once he gets off the radio, he says, ah, that, that takes care of that. Washes his hand and clearly goes to set up some, some heinous shit. So, uh, bravo, Nacor, and they uh, tangle with Mickey while Kaito goes to uh, follow Kota and make sure that Kota actually saves the world. Uh, like, the, the two of them, they're still on their base forms, but through teamwork and also reusing the thing where Acorn, he turns his armor back into his helmet thing and and uh, Bravo throws him at Michi. Fastball special. Yeah, they get away, but that, that part doesn't matter. What's important is that Mai, she's still hanging out with the king. And as she's talking more and more about humanity, she's reminding the king of his wife. And so he decides to take the golden fruit, zap her with the golden fruit, and send her back the fuck to Earth. And let's be clear, like, she makes lots of messages, like, it was noble of you to, like, fight for this, even if it didn't work out, you're trying the right thing, you know, you shouldn't just doom humanity, but the only reason he gives her the fruit is because he reminds her of his, like, fridged space wife. Oh, boy, my. And then, then he just, he shoves it in her chest, says, whatever, basically boots her through a crack back into the real world. Because she is a plot device and not a character with agency. Remember at the start of the series, I was like, man, I, I I don't know why I thought Mai was a bad character. I'm lucky you're here. Oh, this is what happens. It's because the writers forgot to make her a good character. Well, I mean, she's still fine. Like, she's fine. It's just everything happening. She's not doing anything at this point. Plot is happening to her. She is not making plot. No, yeah, she's she's doing her best. It's just the world is conspiring to, like, fuck with her. Like, space cap, the space-time continuum doesn't let her have agency later. It's, ugh. I called her future Ghost Mai in episode one, and oh my god, <laughs> nailed it. So, Michi, he stumbled away from the fight with Baron. Baron had been saying some real shit, like, you don't actually love Mai, you just want a doll to play with, you you don't love anyone. 
Michi says, whatever, it, it's fine. I sent Mai to be safe. And Reju pops up and says, hey, um, you know, you kind of made a mistake. Like, you thought she'd be out of my reach when she's with Rasho, but if he actually likes her, he is our god and he would never actually give him up. So Reju kind of instantly sends Michi on another suicide mission, just like way back when uh, Sid went. Uh, should we start counting the suicide missions that Michi gets sent on in this three-episode arc? I mean, yeah, and, like, this is the second one, because the way he was fighting with Baron, again, it's just him, like, not dodging any attack. Yeah, uh, Waring had sent him to intercept Baron, so that's one. Now Greeny sends him into Helheim to intercept Kota and Baron, so that's two. It's fist-to-face style. He's bleeding, that makes him the victor. We see Kota and Kaito. They get in front of the king, and they challenge him to battle. And hey, turns out that the king, super powered by the golden fruit that can transform reality, is super, super strong. Yeah, like, they they try to fight, uh, but he's he's pulling some major tricks. Like, he catches an arrow from Kaito and just throws it at Kota, then telekinesis it back and forth. And then he gets bored and just pulls out the fruit and starts, like, reformatting the world around them and creating hordes of invests. Like, it... It really can do pretty much anything except for defridge a woman. <laughs> and Kota is refusing to go into his final form. Er, Kaito is doing better in this fight than Kota because Kaito is all in. I have, I have been so lenient on Kota for so many episodes on why does he start with his weakest form? But like, there's no reason at this point. Well, there's there's kind of a subtle reason, and that is because. At least in the past couple episodes, he was informed that his final form was transforming him into a monster. Which is making him hesitant to go into his final form. Like, going into this fight, Baron looked at him and said, oh, you found your resolve. No, he hasn't. Like, it's been shown right here. He doesn't. And also, later on, no, he is not resolved to save fucking anything. No. Harry, does he, like, does he seize the initiative at any point in the series? Like, he does not in these three episodes. At precisely... One moment, and it's the worst one. We'll get there. Great. Great. But yeah, Kota, eventually he does go into his uh, final form, and he starts landing hits. But the thing is, they're healing instantly. Like, nothing is sticking to the king. He only has a shard of the king's power. He doesn't have all of the fruit. And so that's it's kind of a losing proposition. Uh, Kaito's down and detransformed. Kota's down, like, looking super rough. His, his belt actually gets damaged. Like, the king... As a final move, slashes him and breaks his lock seed. Uh, and everything is lost. And then Greeny shoots the king in the back. It's even a little bit more like the king was walking up to Kota and said, Hey, your resolve is true. You're truly fighting for something, and that's great. And at the exact moment he's giving the speech, Reggie snipes him. Finally, finally, the king was distracted, uh, which left uh, Greeny with exactly one shot, and he takes it. She... Oh, yeah, she, this, she takes This may it. be the last time we need to remind you of the pronouns. It absolutely will be, because she is going to be dead in five minutes. She blows a hole in him, uh, rushes up, and says, All right, I am going to get the golden fruit, and rips it out of his back. <laughs> uh, but then it rots in her hands. This is a fake. Where's the real one? You asshole. And, and R- Rushio at this point is just down on the ground saying, like, oh, I'm coming, Elizabeth. I'm coming. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the king, the king has given up. 
like the king doesn't give any shits anymore. And so greedy just coup gras on the ground and hey, dead king. So Kota stands up and says, Reggie, I'm going to put an end to your evil. And here's a string of Kota doing stuff where if I liked the character, like it would be cool. Because it's like a big bold thing of like fighting against evil. And I felt nothing. Absolutely nothing. Reggie, she turns to him and says, uh, what can you possibly do now? Kota, he, his eyes glow red and he uses his overload powers to like regenerate his lock seed. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first cool thing he's done in maybe the entire series. And Baron to the side realizes, oh, my idiot friend Kota is already turning into an overlord. So he goes back into his form and he starts controlling vines and using them to attack Greedy. And uh, yeah, this fight doesn't last too long. Greedy is quickly wrapped up and murdered. Yeah, Kota even uses Rusho's like dropped giant buster sword. Like, again, so he's symbolically picking up the mantle of the super powerful guy who didn't do anything until the last moment. <laughs> like this, it's weird because like if the writers meant it, this would be like a dark tragedy, but I don't think they did. Well, I think they meant for the King and Kota to be more compelling characters, but they were just kind of sad sacks. But yeah, so uh, Michi and Waring were both watching the fight and both of them, are a little bit more ahead of the game than Kota and Kaito, they realize that if the king did not have the fruit, it means he must have given it to Mai. And so they go to find her. And there's like a final moment where uh, Sagra, he walks up and says, here lies the last of Lin Uh Looks like your sacrifice was in vain. He turns to uh, Roshuo's secret ghost wife. They are both there to mourn the king and say goodbye to their species. And possibly the world. Like, now that now that the king is dead, Harry, do they need to go back into Helheim at any point? No, I, I think Helheim's done. It's just a dimension. It's just an empty dimension full of monsters, and you know, it's it is what it, it's just. It's just an alien world. So, uh, next episode begins in the shadow of the Eggdisha Tower and the survivor. I'll, I'll just point out uh, the the ghost wife. It's played by actually the wife of Metal Yoshida, uh, Hiromi Iwasaki. She's you know Metal Yoshida being uh, Bravo or Nak or no Bravo. So, uh, the next episode begins in the shadow of the Eggdrasil Tower. Uh, the survivors of the city are gathered, and, uh, Kota arrives late. Now, I definitely want to point out, Kaito is already there. Kaito is there with the survivors, like he is watching over the scene. Kota arrives late, just running out to the scene, and everyone just hugs and, you know, loves on him, because that's when he got there. Kaito got there first, and Kaito is half dead. <laughs> Kaito's been there long enough where no one seems to notice. And here's another thing that pissed me off to no end. Like, so they they have a moment. Kota hugs his terrible sister. It's like, great, you know, I've saved you. It's great. Uh, some invests show up. So Kota turns and says, Jodachi, Sharmad's uh, guy. Like, his name is Orin. You have fought <laughs> with him for like months at this point. He deserves for you to know his name. Yeah, yeah. Not knowing the guy's name. That's a, uh, yep, that's bad. So yeah, they all fight, and uh, the survivors scatter, but whatever. Uh, we cut to uh, Mai and a couple randos. They're the Grease Lightning Garage. Mai kind of stumbles in, and uh, she's clearly feeling pretty bad. And so the randos, they put her on the ground. They lie her down. Uh, Michi shows up, and the randos there are much less angry at him than they really should be. Uh, Peko does try to stop him, 
but remember Peko was beaten nearly to death, like, what, like, a couple hours ago, if we think about it? <laughs> so, so Michi just kind of pushes him to the side and said, don't worry about it, I'm here to save you, and I've brought help. Uh, the help being Professor Waring, who shows up shortly thereafter. Uh, he performs a very quick examination and says that he needs to take her to a hospital. She won't last long like this. Uh, one of them points out there's no doctors left. He says, don't worry, I'm a doctor. Uh, Kota realizes he has to stop Helheim himself. And Kaito, the writers, they're laying down the tracks for a very late game uh, character twist. Kaito says, should we stop it? Why not let it consume this world and embrace the change? The overlords were weak. If we're as weak, we'll simply end the same. Kota says, hey, where's all this coming from? Didn't we fight to save the city? And Kaito says, no, I just couldn't stand the overlords' brutality. Kaito's pretending to be a jerk again to distance himself from the crew pre-death. He is also dying. Yeah, he's depressed. Like, he's not in a great mental space, probably, because uh, he found out his idiot his idiot friend has turned into a god, and, you know, he's he's doomed. And and also, it, maybe I should... I'll get into it in, like, the next episode, like, when we get all the reveals of what Baron wants, but it's, it's nebulous and the writers aren't explaining it well, because this they're just kind of setting him up to be the villain at the last moment yes he's been the hero for the past like 45 episodes and they're like hot damn we're running out of villains um um baron uh baron you were fighting kota and the flash forward of the first episode and we need to get you back there really fast and we have half an episode to do it uh they 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 have to split up there's another invest attack so so baron and uh like kaito and yoko they off they're about to fight some invests but uh, Kaito, his arm flares off, and Yoko kind of drags him off to the side of the road to do first aid, and is the first person to realize what's happened. Yeah, she finally sees the arm. Now, uh, back with Mai, Waring and Michi, they have uh, taken, uh, Waring, Michi, and the two randos, they've taken Mai to a hospital. And uh, they have properly locked the randos in the hospital so that they could take Mai to the lab. Why did we trust that creep again? Asks Pico. Yes, why did you trust him? Why did you trust him? Uh, Professor Waring, he, he's pulled out some scatting stuff. He's he's checking her body, and it's like, yeah, the golden fruit is right there inside her body. That is some very specialized equipment, Professor, like a golden apple scanner. Glad you had that on hand. Look, he, he had that moment to set stuff up. Like, he's been waiting to do some actions. <laughs> it's shades of shark repellent, but let's move on. Michi asks why this is happening. And Sakura just teleports in and says, because she's going to be the woman of the beginning. The man, chosen by the woman of the beginning, becomes the bearer of the fruit. The fruit is passed on by its own racist traditions, so the woman of the beginning herself receives the fruit. From me. Fucking A. Like, even Helheim is very sexist. Well, it's it's following the races, the traditions of the races it goes with, and it's pretty traditional in Toku for the female characters to get shafted, so... Yeah, like there's so there's no chance of like a of a woman being the champion of the world. And it's always like a woman who gets to it's turning my into the lady of the lake, you know, to hand Excalibur to the actual dumbass hero instead of just being a badass herself. Like it's <sighs> it's turning an interesting dynamic character into a pure plot device to get the action started so we could follow the real heroes who clearly have to be male. Uh, like, you, did you think I was joking, like, 
uh, a few episodes ago when I said that the whole fruit deal had weird gender specificity to it. No, I I didn't think you were joking, but man, I didn't think it was going to be this explicit and this bad. Like, this is indefensibly bad. The only way this is in any way okay is if, like, <laughs> we's basically lying and, like, there's some way where it doesn't always work this way. I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, maybe the Hellheim language, it's like a non-gendered term. It's the person I'm beginning here to choose the champion. But even that just kind of sucks. Like, why why can't they just be the champion? Yeah, it, it's dumb. It's dumb. Do we think that this was the plan since the beginning? Or is this like an episode 30 Aspel when they got together and they were like, okay, we should probably figure out the ending. What, what do we have in play? Oh shit, nothing makes sense. I do think Ganner Berchi was trying less and less as the series went on, as will be showed very clearly when we get to episode 47. <laughs> For now, they they straight up ask DJ Sagra what the hell he is, and he has a speech that I kind of revealed earlier. We are that which spreads endlessly. We are that which reaches beyond the sky. We are that which spurs the outmode to revolution. But we have also been simply called a snake. Let's go with the name you gave us. Our name is Helheim. And he's here to take humanity into the next stage of evolution. We then jump to uh, Bravo, Acorn, and Zack. Uh, they're at the juice bar having probably their final meal. Kaito and uh, Peach, they're hanging out. They're talking about death and saving the world. And yeah, Kaito's in a pretty rough place inside his head because, you know, he's dying. Uh, but Peach is there and she's chosen him. And she says she's going to stick with him to the end. I love Kaito's speech here. He's holding back the infection with the driver. And she says he's going to die. And he says, whatever, that's as far as I was going to go. There was nothing I wanted in the peace this world used to have. I think the only place I belong now is out there in the apocalypse. The world or my existence, which one will end first? And he, like, throws his arms out dramatically in the rain as he does this. Like, I I love Baron. Yeah, he's a really good character. I kind of hate some of the writing around him. But just, if you take him as his own, he's really good. And he's the true hero of the series, despite what the writers would have us believe. So my, we we get some flashes of her, like, in a weird dreamscape, like she's in the Grease Lightning Garage. I'm just so glad that you adopted that name, Harry, the Grease Lightning Garage. It is what it is. Like, sometimes, Sam, you're, you're not remembering names comes up with better nicknames. Yay. But yeah, she's being explained, uh, the whole situation going on. Hey, uh, you're becoming a weird space-time thing, uh... Where is it? Yeah, like, this This is what happened. Whatever, you don't have my choice anymore. <laughs> uh, we jump to Waring. Uh, he's, you know, he's continuing his scans, and he says, I think it likely that the fruit is going to turn Mai into an overlord. Now, if you trust me, Mitchy, by the way, you cannot trust me. I'm Professor Waring. I'm a liar, and you know that you can't trust me. But if you trust me, I could take it from her. But I also need you to kill Kota first, and I'm going to give you a lock seed that will explicitly kill you while you're killing Kota, clearing the plate for me. But you can trust me, Michi. You can trust me so hard. Yeah, it's a whole speech where it says, hey, Kota wants to save the world at any cost, and he, he'd probably willing, be willing to save to sacrifice Mai. Like, he's, in a, he's an anomaly. He'll do anything. But man, like, this lock seed, it was locked away because it was too strong, and like... Is there someone courageous enough to sacrifice himself for, like, this beautiful woman? Like, do you think you could be so honorable, Michi? I'm just going to leave it here and let you think about it. 
like the other suicide missions that Michi has been sent on the past couple episodes, we knew that they were suicide missions, but they weren't expressly, explicitly suicide missions. This Loxine will kill Michi if he uses it. It's the, the Hellfruit Loxine. Michi, he's on his own. He grabs it. And a, a weird thing happens here because I actually feel bad for Michi. And this ties into some of the stuff I've been saying. Well, you feel bad for him until he walks up to a comatose Mai and he tells her to smile more. <laughs> Give me a smile, uh, like you used to. You're so pretty, you should smile, girl in a coma, who I'm leaving with Professor Waring. <laughs> uh, but, like, he has, he just starts grabbing his head and saying, why can't I remember what your smile was like? I don't even know what I was trying to protect. What was I fighting for? And, like, his his ghost brother shows up to yell at him some more, and, like, this is... This this is all this specifically is Kota's fault because like okay Kota was an idiot and didn't see stuff going on with Michi for a while whatever let's say that when the reveal happened uh, Sam the first episode of this podcast what happened in Kamen Rider Double like ca- characters are allowed to have different arcs like start at different places and come to different conclusions sure whatever but still what remember Shotaro how the whole plot of the first episode was his childhood friend that he'd like grown up with. And he realized that she was using a, you know, guy memory that was driving her crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and Philip turned to him and said, I suspect you're going to be a, you know, romantic idiot and go off and get yourself hurt. Yeah. And there was some kind of weird Tyrannosaurus Rex head. How that episode ended was Shotaro like calling the cops to her and saying, listen, like you're in a bad spot. I, I'm turning on you, but, like, I'll help you get through this. Like, there's a better way here. Because, you know, this stuff is driving her crazy, and it's hurting her. You need to stop this. Yeah, part of being a friend is getting a person the help that they need. Keep that in mind for what Kota decides to do later on. Uh, speaking of which, what, we get a quick scene of the dancers uh, continuing to be useless in a hospital, and they use a rope, like a sheet ropes do climb down. I was so hoping that they just fell to their deaths. Just eliminate some of the excess characters. <coughs> Look, Chucky and Pecco, they're they're fine. Remember Pecco had like the slingshot? Sure. Great. Yeah. Uh but anyway, uh Kota's brooding on the dock in the exact same spot uh that Michi killed his brother a couple episodes ago. And Michi walks up and says, I'm here to finish you. And Kota says, hey, just stop it, Michi. There's no reason to fight anymore. Michi says, in an image that I've spread on Twitter, there's absolutely nothing I could say I've achieved. <laughs> but with this lock seed, I can save her. He summons using the most evil transformation ever. Like, it creates, like, black lightning and the the belt, which we've seen has been programmed by Professor Waring, just screams, like, hell, the realm of the dead. <laughs> yep. Uh, he transforms, he immediately starts just, like, twitching, like, oh god, my life force being drained. And this is the ultimate power-up, because it it's suicidal for Michi. Like, Kota has the weird thing of being totally unable to let Michi get hurt, so, like, this is the ultimate thing, because it's, like, you know, it makes him stronger, but he's still not beating Kota. It, that can't be, we can't emphasize that enough. Like, he's fighting, he's doing some damage, but Kota's... Half the fight, he's not even transformed. Yeah, like, Kota's just tanking shots. He's not swinging at Michi. He's saying, stop, stop it, Michi. You gotta stop it. Your body can't take this. And that's the end of the episode. 
and the reason why we're doing more is that you know we could have ended here on like we would have ended here if I had decided to go to three episodes. No, thank God. Like you know, we we need to close the shit out, Harry. Michi is still dying when the next episode starts. <laughs> well, as the at the very start is the DJ uh, taunting Mai in her dreams. He says that uh, the men around her just stumbled into their powers. He's like taunting her. He's also floating around her really awkwardly, like they're doing some some green screen stuff, some wire work, and like hanging him upside down and. Uh, that just, it doesn't look right. But, you know, Kota sacrifices humanity, Kaito's infected and dying, and Michi is sacrificing his life. And they all did it, Mai, to get the golden fruit you hold. So Mai decides to kind of embrace the power of the fruit to try to change things. So back to Kota and Michi, and Kota's still holding back. Fuck Kota. Like, Michi's dying a lot. Like, at at this pace... Michi is going to die before he can kill Kota, and Kota's not even trying. They get settled up for a big uh, dual finisher. Michi jumps, he slashes some bags of feathers that were just there to create, like, a dramatic scene. <laughs> and Kota... Drops, drops a sword. Drops a sword. <laughs> and lets Michi stab him in the gut, so he can reach out and take out the lock seed and break it. By the way, with his other hand... Like, he, he didn't actually need to drop the sword. Yeah. And this is a show where multiple people have attacked belts and destroyed lock seeds, like happened to Kota one episode ago. <laughs> that was an option. It was. And so instead, what we get is Kota is stabbed. He is skewered. And both are detransformed. Kota's on the ground, and he's hugging it out with Michi as feathers are coming down around them. It wasn't that long ago that you and I were friends. Like, if you look at the progression of events, it was like a day ago. <laughs> like, this has been a real bad day for me, Michi, and I I don't know how this happened. I don't know where we went wrong, but th- this is the way to do it, Michi. We can we can fix things. That's why I let you skewer me and kill me. You're, you're going to be able to take this emotionally, Michi, right? Well, I'm going to lay down and die now. Michi asks, so you're just going to forgive me for what I did? To which Kota responds, yes, I am. Oh, fuck you, Kota. Fuck you, Kota. (laughs) And then he dies. (laughs) Then he dies. And Michi's in a very hard emotional place. Especially when he shows back up to the lab and it turns out that Warring has killed Mai. (laughs) No, 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 no. We cannot fast forward through the scene. All right, so there's a there's a brief thing. Uh, Pe- Peko and Chucky they they get uh, they tell Kaito that oh something shitty is going on in the hospital. Go help her. Anyway, Michi just dejected. He's he's walking like his head is down. He's he's drooping. He walks into the room, and Warig is like lounging on the couch with a bottle of wine. It says, "Oh, Michi, I honestly didn't expect you to survive." <laughs> yeah, I said you want a suicide uh, run, Michi. Wait, what What happened to Kota? Is Kota dead? Oh my god, this this day couldn't get better. I certainly didn't plan for this. Like, this is better than I expected. Uh, Michi asks about Mai, and Warring smiles and says, All taken care of, the operation was a success. <laughs> so, Michi goes into the other room, and yep, Mai is on the table, stone dead. And Michi, like, breaks. He falls down on the ground, kind of trembling. And Warg just kind of walks into the background with a big glass jar with a glowing thing in his hand. He says, yep, 
it had bonded completely with her heart. So, you know, what I had to do was just pop out her heart. <laughs> Michi says, you said you'd save my. Harry, how does Warwick respond? And I haven't the faintest idea why you believed me. <laughs> you knew I wanted the forbidden fruit. Like, you've just been manipulating me into saving her. Like, that's all you've been doing. It's it's pretty obvious. And uh, then Warring destroys Michi's belt. Yep. Michi tries to fight, but he just pulls out a thing, presses a switch, and says, Yeah, I always knew I would have to deal with another belt user someday, so I installed a kill switch. Didn't Takatori ever tell you why I didn't want you to grow up bad? Liars, cowards, those kinds of bad children are easy prey for us bad grown-ups. And Warring is like seconds away from just strangling Michi. Not transformed, just with his bare hands. Yeah, because Michi's done. He's just so done. But? Ghost Future Mai shows up. Only it's not Ghost Future Mai, Harry. It's Ghost Present Mai. Just just Ghost Mai. Uh, she shows up and says yes. Like the, the, the heart fruit thing, it just glows and then she appears. Wearing, by the way, her weird fashionable outfit. Like, I, I guess... I guess when you die, you turn into a Final Fantasy character. There's outfit changes that happen with these with the golden fruit. Because spoiler alert, when, Kota's outfit is very silly when we get to it. <laughs> she says, "Michi, it's all right. Like, don't don't suffer for this. This is my decision. I'm gonna do everything I can to stop things from ending like this. This is goodbye. But I'll I'll remember the time we spent together." And she teleports. And Warring is just devastated because he says, "What just happened?" Yeah, because the, the golden fruit is gone. Like, she she is the fruit, and now she's traveling through time. To go back into the previous episodes where <coughs> we saw her appear, and try and give warnings to people to stop their path. But, for some reason, uh, Sagra says, Alright, time is incredibly hard to alter. It'll be hard to speak with the clarity you want. We see, like, her giving the... Very vague warnings to Kota, Michi, and Kaito. And then, like, kind of overlaid over it, Mai says, Wait, what? That's not what I meant to say. Why is this happening? Like, this this is dumb. It is dumb. That's the writer's room saying, God damn it. We could think of a better reason why she would be saying this stupid shit. And so we just kind of tack on some weird thing where it's like, where her voice is like... It's so bad. It's fuck time travel stories. Fuck time travel stories when the writers don't fully commit to it, don't fully plan it out. Because there, there can be good time travel stories. Like, Back to the Future is almost a perfect time travel story. Like Terminator. Uh, yeah, Terminator, perfect time travel story. Dirk Gently's Holistic Detective Agency, at least season one. I have not seen season two, but season one is a perfect time travel story. It can be done. This was not done well. And the capper is that then uh, Ghost Present Mai goes to that moment when she was on the roof with Sagra and, like, asking him why she, why he's uh, going after these specific people. And Sagra says, Yeah, uh, when I do these uh, taking over the world things, it's really hard for me to tell who's important, but this time you kind of showed up and pointed out the frontrunners for me. So we're in, one of the, we're, we're in one of those time loops, and you can tell that the show is bad because there's lots of other things we just mentioned where closed time loops... Are fulfilling, but this ain't. <laughs> and then Mai basically gets punched back into the space-time continuum. So, in this episode, Sam, Mai got the hat trick. She was damseled, then fridged, then put on a bust. 
Oh, that's awful. It's awful. And the episode's not over yet. The rest of the episode is good, at least. It's fulfilling a little bit until you realize what they're trying to do to Baron. Because at this point, uh, uh, Baron and Peach, they show up in the lab. And uh, Baron sees a dead Mai on the table. And he's not having that. Yeah, Michi is just kind of crying in a fetal ball in the corner. Warring is just muttering to himself. He's drawing equations on the, the glass of the walls. Saying like, yeah, okay, can I figure out where she went? Like, I, I had the fruit. It was in my hands. So uh, they try to throw down, and of course, Warring destroys their upgraded belts. And uh, then K- Kaito points out, hey, I've been a dancer, or I've been a writer since the beginning. I have an old-fashioned belt without a kill switch. And uh, uh, Warring concludes, yeah, you do. And I never bothered to put a kill switch into the Sengoku drivers because I didn't need to. And he fights Baron, and Baron, like, so Warring, he's not like an expert fighter, but he's not terrible. And... He he defeats Baron. Yeah, pretty handily. Like, he's just way too powerful for him. Uh, at this point, uh, Baron, he's he's detransformed, he's beat to shit, and he's dying. He knows he's dying. And he's looking at Warring right in front of him, so he makes a logical choice and grabs a fruit. The venom of Helheim is already in my veins. My life is over one way or another. You like doing experiments, don't you? I've built up a tar- tolerance to this poison, so what do you think will happen if I eat it? He chows down. And he transforms into the final boss of the series. Into Overlord Baron. And Sam, do you still have the link to the cheat sheet I showed you? Uh, somewhere. Way back in the cheat sheet when I first showed it to you, I think this was like episode 5 or whatever, I listed Baron as the brutal overlord of the dads. I see, I see. Just kind of showing, I kind of always hinted that this would happen. Yeah, you did. It would be nice if the show had a better hero than Kaito to make him transforming into the final boss, like, emotionally fulfilling, but we're losing the hero. Like, the hero of the series is dying. He's sacrificing himself, and he's going to turn bad for some reason. I just know he's going to turn bad. And they've got three episodes to do it with. He transforms. He starts laughing about the power of Helheim, and Warring is pissed. Like, he he did all this stuff, he retained his mind. Warring is supposed to be, like, the best with his technology and stuff. So, the fight between Warring and the Overlord Kaito, uh, it's not long. Uh, Warring is thoroughly wrecked and destroyed and detransformed almost instantly, at which point uh, he is cut with vines and then punched through a concrete wall. By the Overlord. Uh, he he tries briefly to kind of reason with Baron, saying like, hey, I have technology, I have research, I can give that to the world. And Baron says, your truth is pointless, the only truth that I recognize is in these fists. And, he's, and he dies. He stumbles a little bit, because clearly you can't have a person just punched to death. But he uh, stumbles off a building, and dies. Kaito, he transforms back to his human mode, so he could do that. It says, I will never surrender, not even to the fate that schemes to destroy me. And as the episode is closing, we see Peach uh, grab Warring's belt off the ground. So, hey, she's a writer again. And uh, we get a quick shot of Kota's dead body in a field of feathers. 
Eh, he, he'll get better. But, but imagine if the show just ended here. Would it would it be better than the actual ending? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so next episode, it's going to be like a lot of fighting. So we'll have the time for me to talk about like the motivations of Baron and stuff and how for a weird genocidal guy, I may be more sympathetic than I should be. And we'll have more to talk about. And like this show that they'd been building up a lot of stuff and they cashed a lot of it in this episode. So all the conflict left is Kota and Baron. Like that's all that's left. Except for one thing, Sam, we have, we have, so 47, it, it's, it's weird, a weird epilogue thing. Ignore it for now. This is the final chance. Death predictions. Zach is still alive as of episode 43 of, of let's say 46. I know. Yoko is still alive. Miji is still alive. My is kind of questionably dead. <laughs> I think my stays dead. She probably like travels the universe or something like on a stream of it. I, I don't know. She she's fridged. She's dead. Uh, Peach is probably going to die. Uh, Zach is going to die. I think I think Bravo is going to die. A- Acorn. Mm, does Acorn die? You know, I say Acorn lives. Um, and Kaito, alas, I fear, dies. Uh, well, we will see, because next time we are effectively going to finish the story of Kamen Rider Gun, episodes 44 through 46. Are we not going to do 47, Harry? We're just... We're doing it separately in its own thing. Okay, okay. But Harry, until then, what are we going to do? I almost said for the last time, but no, we're going to keep... Nothing will ever stop this. We're, we're going to keep dancing. Just keep dancing. Oh, the hat trick. 